welcome to Never Too Serious with Scott and Dave. I'm Scott, and I'm Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, <laughs> what what's the what's the topic on on your uh, on your list today? Well, you know, I thought it was intriguing to hear about these people that escaped the impossible, like like they uh, should have died, but they didn't. No, I'm not saying they came out, you know, unscathed, but <laughs> some of these people really um, cheated death numerous times in one incident or some things happen to them throughout their lives where, you know, one person go through their whole life and nothing ever happens like this to them. But yep. it's like escaping the impossible, you know, people that go through some serious experiences and live. Yeah, the unscathed part, that's, it's funny because... Yeah, anyone who gets close to death, it does it seems like there's always some sort of scar. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it may only be mental, but... <laughs> I was going to say, you may not break anything, but you, know, you got something up here. Yeah, uh-huh. You're not going to forget it. Yeah, I'm not going to forget it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what, what was really getting me was... And I remember hearing about a gentleman that he fell um, out of the sky, you know, parachuting, and he hit the ground and bounced, and he lived. And, and, and I, so I was looking up him... That, it was a long time ago, and and I remembered that. So I was trying to look it up, and oh my gosh, there were so many of these incidences that I couldn't believe there would be as many as there are. But about that, I don't even know if I even ran across his, but I, I was intrigued. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what what else did these people, what else did people like uh, get away from, you know? Mm-hmm. Does, and, does that make you feel like parachuting isn't as dangerous as you thought? You know, it makes me think that I have three 2.5 chances, you know? Um, you know, you have one parachute, then you have a second backup parachute, and then you have the bounce ability. And I have bounce ability, I think. And, you know, I actually, during that, they say, hey, there's a certain way to land, you know, mm-hmm. and don't land on your feet, you know, land on your back. So hopefully it takes the whole impact. Oh. A lot of people land with the feet down and just destroys everything. Yeah. I think you read Did, some stuff where everybody has a bad pelvis now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. but so starting out, mm-hmm. because there were so many, um, and I'm just going to say in the category of falling from the sky, not necessarily in a parachute. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So... I, I, I would, I, let's, my goodness, because there's something that I could talk about this um, one lady. She was a flight attendant. And, and let me see. Let me, let me see if I can get some tidbits of information. Okay. She was on, uh, you know, I believe she was a flight attendant. To be, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But there was, she was the sole survivor of the Lanza flight, 508 plane crash. And so this one here is, she fell apparently 10,000 feet. So I think actually the other one I was talking about that was a flight attendant we should talk about because she fell yeah, further. I, I think I, she was a record. I'm going to let you touch base on this. Yeah, I want to talk about Julianne Colepike. Okay. Apologize if I get her name wrong. But this is back in 1971 when she fell 10,000 feet. But her plane crashed. And mind you, she's the only one that survived that plane crash. That's amazing in itself. Well, she, the plane crashed in the Peruvian rainforest she had to hike out with a broken collarbone i'm sure at minimum you know they didn't talk about that she had lacerations or anything but broken collarbone still she hiked out for 11 11 days to get to safety that's a feat in itself in yeah. my prime no not my prime but <laughs> how i'm sitting right now is way better than she was sitting after a plane crash so no plane crash for me if i got off my butt right now uh-huh go hit that task i don't think i would make it well I- you know, I, I've watched the Naked and Afraid series uh-huh, and yeah. stuff. And, you know, they put them in those rainforests naked. They sure do. And I wouldn't want to be in those rainforests fully clothed with 
like equipment and stuff. Right. Like I'm I'm freaked out by what exists in a rainforest. <laughs> the only only bonus I could say is uh, it, it, with the naked afraid is just having a pair of shoes. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. wouldn't that make that a lot different? <laughs> N- completely naked, but shoes. You got yeah. shoes. That would make it a whole new experience. You well, know? you've seen all the bugs. You mm-hmm. know, they they just they're covered in bug bites. Yeah, and swamp some, feet, and, and a lot of people that leave that and don't leave the same. Mm-hmm. They always have some kind of yeah, issue they have some issues. Scarring, they picked or up a virus, a or virus bacteria. That they're all, yeah, they can't breed yeah. anymore. Yeah. you know, because their offspring will be you know, missing things. <laughs> yeah, well, it, to to think about this lady with a broken collarbone, and how uncomfortable a broken collarbone is, and how difficult it is to do anything with your upper body. Oh when your collarbone is broken and, and and her morale i mean it's not like people that are go up to everest you know it might be like in fact that's very death defying too mm-hmm. but they did that shit on purpose you know they're like <laughs> they're positive even though they're getting beat down this is something that they're wanting to do this lady you know so did this you uh know? did this plane was it flying at like ten thousand feet and i believe so because when i read it that's where it was um that that's that's the altitude that she had fell. Okay. So I'm uh, not too sure. So, but she was in a plane when the plane was going down. So yep. she wasn't like free falling ten thousand feet. No, she was yeah. in a plane crash. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so the 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 big deal was is that so she wasn't like the parachuter or somebody that just stepped off the side of a plane without a parachute on and just mm-hmm. fell to their to the ground. But she was in a and most people know it's sad, but. I think the chance of survival of plane crash is pretty slim, and uh, so that was a uh, death-defying enough as it is. Yeah, well, and being soul... a sole survivor is. So like, yeah, that's a big. What deal. did you eat for breakfast? I want to know. <laughs> yeah, just the strength of a woman. I'll tell you, that's probably what got it through. Well, I mean, I I don't did, did it say where she was from? You know, I it may have, but I don't know if I had. I mean, she's it. not from Peru. Uh, it's just where this landed. This I'm is kind of a it was somewhere on the yeah. way. Yeah, it landed yeah. somewhere. Yeah, because it just makes me think about well, how prepared is someone to go through the the jungle, especially if they're well, they grew up in Arizona, <laughs> or <clears throat> or what if they live know. in a freaking skyscraper downtown somewhere yeah. and they're on their way to a freaking meeting, you know, business mm-hmm. meeting, and you know they don't even have a car, they use you know public transportation, you know, what if they're just relying on the system, mm-hmm. and then they you know they don't even see lawn, let alone. A rainforest. Yeah. I don't know her situation, it, but it was in the seventies, seventy one. Yeah, okay. So I mean, life was a little bit different. Yeah, back, people were a little then. tougher back then. That's for sure. Yeah, too. yeah. I would agree. People are probably more prepared. It's probably for disaster yeah. in the seventies. It's probably a lady you don't want to talk back to. <laughs> yeah. Now, is she still alive today? Well, you know that I don't know. Okay, I don't know. They didn't even mm-hmm. touch base on that in the article I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in fact, um, that was just a. I got some of that tidbits was from I think Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So, on plane crashes, can mm-hmm. you bring up that other one? The, yeah. I think you said something about the Guinness World Records. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Her name is Vesna Volovich. And she has the, the Guinness Book of World Record uh, fall. And there's a, a picture of her up on, on screen here. So, let's see. January uh, 1950... Uh, let's see here. A Serbian flight attendant who holds the Guinness World Record for surviving the highest fall without a parachute. 33,000 feet, 330. That's like, um, really high. <laughs> so here's something about Guinness World <laughs> that's Records. Six, that's six miles high. Yeah. 
most people that are going out for the Guinness World Records are on purpose and they're striving for things. This was not something she probably even wants to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool that she lived it, lived through it, but mm-hmm. she's probably like, I'd rather not have. <laughs> I didn't care to, like, I didn't strive for this, this award. Mm-hmm. And God help somebody that breaks it. Well, she's got an interesting story because she, she did um, survive this, but the, the, uh, the plane was, was taken out of the sky because of a bomb. Oh. Yeah, which makes it even a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Because, you know, people pretty much die <laughs> in, you know, an explosion like that. And let alone the altitude. And, I mean, generally speaking, that stuff is really, really bad. But her story is, is kind of fascinating because they were describing her as getting pinned in the back of the plane by, like, the, the beverage cart. Right. And I've seen movies like that happening. So that's mm-hmm. true. I, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. Only because of the movies I've seen. Because of the movies. Yep. And so she gets stuck and unable to, to do anything. But she doesn't remember this experience because she blacked out. In yeah, fact, she's in shock. Yeah. And in fact, I want to say that originally, and I may be mixing up stories here, but originally she lied about her physical to become a flight attendant. Because she had extremely low blood pressure. Really? She and so the, the story goes to say that she, when she was going through her, I don't know if it's like physical tests or, or anything that would, like her medical tests, she had to have like a whole bunch of coffee that day in order to bring her heart rate and uh, blood pressure levels up to a, a point where it could qualify really? for this position. And she's just, a, you know, a flight attendant. Wow. So... Anyway, what do you it, mean by that? Justified? Well, I mean, it's Scott, not like she was geez. the pilot. She's not a fighter pilot. Oh, so it's you're saying like... that she's not up to that par? <laughs> okay, here comes. I'm the just hate kidding. Mail. I'm just kidding. I'm sure the fighter pilot or the pilot alone mm-hmm. has far more stringent physical. Yeah. I'm just messing with. I you. mean, I would imagine that just a, f- a flight attendant should have some customer service janitor. skills. <laughs> I'm just but, kidding. But uh, so anyway, so they think that. One of the reasons that she was able to kind of survive is because she she blacked out, she had very very low um, blood pressure, and some of these things helped her body um, cope with the, cope or, with or, yeah. or ragdoll it yeah. out so she could yeah get and, through it somehow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she's another one of these that you know fractured. Yeah, she suffered a fractured a skull, lot. three broken vertebrae, uh, broken legs, broken ribs, and a fractured pelvis. The pelvis thing, that's a, that seems to be a common theme when I'm looking through these different stories. I will tell you, it is a common issue on, for falls. Mm-hmm. A lot of parachuters, landing feet down, broken ankles, broken pelvic, yeah. pelvis. And a lot of falls, a lot of jumps. Those, that really does occur. And it's such a horrible thing to break. Right, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, uh, Inside got non-joke. His, got his uh, hip replacement. Yeah. How old is Tony? <laughs> 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 um, okay, so some a little bit more about the story is that, you know, she did le- lose, like, memory of the accident. and uh, Sounds like a blessing. Yeah, so it says, despite her willingness to resume work as a flight attendant... Uh, the, her her employer, uh, JAT or JAT Airways, gave her a desk job, and she was her job was to negotiate freight contracts. But eventually, um, she was deemed like a 
sort of a political hero uh, right? because in, in this area there's a lot of different war and a lot of different things yeah, going on that's true and yeah. she she ended up becoming sort of a, a a political figure for protesting and that sort of thing well like you said is um, it was due to a bomb as well mm-hmm. so i'm sure that had some political background to it yeah i'm speculating but um yeah that's kind of a big deal getting blown out of the sky it's it's, it's some people's biggest fears you know and, and, and <laughs> that lightning of, strikes and the... <laughs> yeah and you know that that's the fear of, you know, some of these people's nine to five, bear with me, I understand that, that there's no nine to five when it comes to a flight attendant. Their schedules are whacked out and they got to do a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of sacrifice to work really. But, um, yeah, that's what they, they sign up for a job, which, you know, we might take for granted, but their life is like working on a, on a, um, a crab boat, you know, mm-hmm. just being out there is a risk. Mm-hmm. You know, who cares if you're actually working? Just sitting out in that boat is a risk. Their job is more risky. They're on those flights a lot more. Mm. And yeah, it is safe, safe to fly. You know, I, I do believe that. But all it takes is one wacko to ruin that day. You know, have you know do all the do all the checks. Yeah, ready to go flight. But you don't know what a whack job's going to do. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want to do the job just because I have to deal with people (laughs) i deal with people already in what i do every day but in a customer service area like that where you're dealing with so many people and some people are just rude and you have to keep that calm and you know what i i I do pretty decent um with dealing with people i have had some work in um you know in customer service uh growing up when i was younger but when I worked, I'm going to go way back. When I was 16, one of my jobs I had, I worked at Arby's. And you know what I did? Because people were grumpy a lot. I, they can't, this is past seven years, so they can't sue me for this. But mm-hmm. I didn't go by, there's, there's little, there's little how, you know, how to make the sandwiches, you know, how much, how many ounces of meat. Yeah. F that. I made it till it looked good for me. <laughs> and I would serve them. Uh-huh. People were happy. Yeah. You know, give them what they would expect. Make it look, I try to make it look like the picture, you know, mm-hmm. which is not what you don't weigh it out. It, right. So, and that's how I did it. But, you know, I had to cater to what I felt that they would do, would want, or, or their needs, or, you know. Yeah. Like, well, keep they, them, keep they, they're supposed to go there for the meat, right? Right. So, uh, what, so. Um, you got another one on your list? I don't well, want to jump ahead too far. Well, I think you have one pulled up. This one's on my list. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, can I, I'm just going to read the headline. It says, I survived a 13,500 foot fall after my parachute became tangled and I hit the ground at 125 miles per hour. <laughs> so that sounds pretty serious. Eh, it sounds like a damn lie to me and I'll tell you why. <laughs> How come everybody else only falls 120 miles an hour and this one fell 125? What, was, was she like nosediving it? Oh, oh. <laughs> I just there's a there's a peak peak mile per hour that you could fall, and I thought it wasn't 125. Well, and the thing is, is she was tangled up in her parachute. I would imagine it being slowed her down a little bit, not speed her up. Yeah, sounds like a lie. It makes me wonder if she was more at 300 feet. Yeah, what else is a lie? Yeah, (laughs) I'm just kidding. This is a really incredible story. It is an incredible story. Mm -hmm. All my BS aside. (laughs) Okay, so this is a Jordan hat maker. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Jordan. Well, well. If I can, I would I would like to be able to to read a little bit here from was this the Sun exclusive? Yeah, yeah. This is just because a, because a little article they did on her. Yeah, I, I got to read through it, but if there's some better detail, I'd love to share it this way here. 
So it says a skydiver miraculously survived after her parachute got tangled around her leg and hit the ground at 200 kilometers an hour. So she's an adrenaline junkie. Her name is Jordan Hatmaker. She ended up in a serious, dangerous crash during her fall from 13,500 feet. Oh my goodness. That is and, incredible. And, and it is rarely survivable. But the funny thing is, is they could use the word rarely, not never or yeah. mm-hmm. twice before. People survive this. How, that's so good. But there's also how many of them are there that, I mean, this happens a lot. I didn't look up how many people fall to their death from their parachutes not coming open. Mm-hmm. They didn't have this kind of luck. So if I could find this many people there, I mean, there's actually a handful of people that this, they survive. Well, yeah. I didn't look up how many didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's yeah. the rate? I mean, does I it... think it's relatively rare. I think parachute, um, at, at least in modern time, because of, you know, the, the type of equipment that they have and the devices, you know, the altitude devices that they have and ability but, to steer. And I, I think it's just in the whole world when somebody says rare. Mm-hmm. Now, if they say rare in Oregon, but rare in the world. Mm-hmm. That's still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just weird. They can't okay, say yeah, that's Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but um, So, yeah, she was nearly paralyzed. Um, she says she wants to go skydiving again. Uh, her first parachute was wrapped around her leg, and when her reserve was released, she catapulted them both in the opposite directions, dropping them in the terrifying spin to earth. Now, that would be alone terrifying enough as it is. I mean, worse than just falling straight. Or, or actually, yeah. no, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're so <laughs> focused on that spin that they're not really, you know, seeing how fast they're falling to the ground. I don't know. I'm what's curious, better? What's worse? Well, I'm, I'm curious about... I hate the spin. Like, so much about the spin is, uh, is about uh, what's around you and your, um, your location relative to other things. When you're up so high and you've got the spins, you know, half of what you're seeing may not even look like it's spinning. Right. Well, and you won't know what, maybe you don't know which side's up or down. And yeah. It'd it's be still terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> still very terrifying. Oh. Well, okay. So she, you know, oh. so she went through this amazing recovery. I mean, I'm surprised. Of course, she, she broke her pelvis and she had, um, I want to say like an ankle, uh, it, it's above the ankle. It's whatever, below the knee and above the ankle. I think there's a, a whole bunch of surgeries and I mean, Tons she of, got uh, jacked. Uh, up yeah, really. really in yeah, fact, really jacked. We read up. some about um, nearly paralyzed too. Yeah, shocking. I mean, I mean, they didn't note it. They didn't. They didn't say that she was nearly dead too. You know, that's always something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, nearly all of these things, but nearly dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, she should have died. I mean, I'm glad she didn't, of course. But I'm just saying that that's that's what people die from, right there. Uh, so I I found some video of of her and. This I, I think this video is a really good example of maybe like the type of person that she is, because she's just so like in a good mood and joking around. Well, to be fair, she's probably on morphine. Yeah. <laughs> but to your point, there are special people out there, and I'm not mm-hmm. being funny. Mm-hmm. There are special people out there, and a lot of us um, label them as adrenaline junkies. They're special. They do things I could only dream of doing. You know, they're parachuting or doing that para flying or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the hell they call it, but. These people do amazing things and live life to the fullest. Sometimes you have to go through this to really know what life's about. Mm-hmm. So, well, I I heard that she was supposed to go and hike. I don't know if it was Everest or some mountain, and uh, she was going to go. I think she was going to leave on the trip like days after. I think this. she did though. 
this tri- well days after this uh, um, this accident, she was scheduled to go and oh, do oh, these things, but, and um, and of course, then the accident put kind of derailed that. R- but her recovery has put her into a position to do a, a hike, right? Uh, to to do a, a, a climb, right? And because and I think all this did was like fire her up to go do more shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, she's a special person. I mean, these people like this are special to where. It doesn't like the last person we heard. I think she. Uh, I mean, she was a flight attendant, but I think she would have done it more. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying she's a drilling junkie. But uh, yeah, well, Jordan certainly is. Oh boy, these yeah. people aren't going to quit. They're just going to do more of it. Now, I grabbed a clip from a, a longer extended video that has like footage of her in her recovery, doing physical therapy, and then eventually you know, getting home, getting released to go home and she's got stairs in her house and she's trying to figure out how to climb up the stairs right. with her walker and she's going through all these different things. And I think, I want to say that she's got um husband and kids. Is this hat maker? Yes. All right. Here's to you, hat maker. Yeah. Hey guys, Jordan here. <laughs> Back from surgery. Update number one, surgery number three. Um, feeling pretty good. Ankles burning, but so is my love for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she has me. I got some granny panties around my around my thighs, which is nice. I'm sure Dad is excited about <laughs> saying that. <laughs> They're about as big as the parachute that got me down to the ground. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she just, that, she's uh, hilarious, so and she's got a great attitude, but she mm. just made me think of something I didn't think about. What's that? When she said, yeah, my dad probably doesn't like my granny panty or whatever, seeing that. Mm-hmm. What if my daughter turns into adrenaline junkie? Oh. oh my gosh, my heart, I would be in, dad, I'm going to go parachuting now. I'd be like, okay, where are you going? I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to be holding my hands out just in case. You know, I'm mean, like... Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Can you be? Oh, yeah. I don't think my heart could handle my daughter being an adrenaline junkie. Now, can you be that kind of dad? I don't know. I would support her <laughs> <laughs> with my hands out, trying to catch her. I guess. Um. And I got it. That that. Uh, sorry. This is how it has to be. That just takes me on another tangent. Yeah. It reminded me of. I think it was a. Um. I don't know what what country it was in, but there there was a gentleman that was looking up and there's a video of a guy he's looking up he's looking up and it's so creepy to see the what 120 miles an hour looks like i guess oh, mm-hmm. of somebody that jumped off or fell off jumped off of a building i think they both died because he tried to catch her oh and yeah. and the thing was going so fast where it looked fake like in yeah. a movie mm-hmm. and then him catching her and pulled him down Whew. yeah so i guess i shouldn't do that no no. My daughter's on her own. I'll just do a lot of praying and, and die soon. Die well, early. <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, because she came down at 125 miles an hour and, you know, people die in car accidents at, you know, 35 miles an You're hour. You're right. With, without all the safety gear mm-hmm. and protection. And, yeah. and I got to tell you, it's, I think it's the, I mean, yeah, and I know it could be how you're built. I get that. But I think it's truly a lot of luck how you land. Mm-hmm. Just how you, oof. yeah, yeah. Those Poor forces thing. have to get, you know, deflected some other place <laughs> versus all of your interiors. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't ha- I couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. You got a, you got another one for us? Well, you know, there's just some things to talk about. I, it doesn't mean I have a lot of detail, but okay. I know there was another gentleman out there. Um, 
that uh, experienced some some uh, like nature kicking his ass. You know, <laughs> uh, let me ask you, how many times have you been hit by lightning? Okay, well, none so far. Okay. But maybe I could add to that. Because <laughs> I've almost been hit three times. Like, and seriously within um, like a few feet of where I was standing. I will say, um, maybe maybe it's drawn to you because I remember it was really cool. You and you were like a wee lad, and you were out there at. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> you went out to throw. I'm going to make things up. You could just fill in the truth. Uh, you went out there to throw for state mm-hmm. uh, javelin out at uh, in Eugene at you know, uh, University of Oregon. Yep. And it was so cool because out there watching my my like my kid brother, if you will, out there, uh, and I'm like proud to watch you out there and. And you, you get prepared and you have your javelin down and you're kind of leaned over. Just, I think, I'm guessing, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but you're, I, I was like mentally, mo- mentally preparing <laughs> yourself. Yeah, yeah. And right when you did that, lightning just went, I'm like, oh. it's like Thor bringing down <laughs> yeah. the hammer, you know, or just, you know, yeah. it was pretty neat. But, but yeah, that, yeah, I've only had one or two close calls. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, since I'll talk about it, my daughter and I, we, especially when we were younger, we used to hang out out in our backyard, way in the back by the, we call it the woods. And uh, we put a tent up and just hang out and we'd have watch movies out in the tent, you know, wouldn't be very camping. <laughs> Not it was, roughing it. It was totally awesome. <laughs> and it was, and we'd go out there pouring rain, doesn't matter. But lightning was so bad and it hit so close, the whole, everything was blue inside of our tent. And we just grabbed and ran into the house, you know, like, it's time to go. It's time to go. We were watching the whole storm and lightning striking and watching it come towards us, which was neat until it <laughs> came right towards <laughs> us. But, uh, but there's mm-hmm. a person and, uh, let me see here. I, I don't know too much about him, but there was a Virginia, Virginian ranger. And this fool was struck like three times, no, four, no, six, no, seven times in his life. Whoa. I'm shocked he could survive once. He's like a forest ranger? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's in a he should know job better. Or go do something else. <laughs> I mean, is it possible, Scott, mm-hmm. is it possible that somebody has like more ions in them? Or, <laughs> you know, something that attracts something more? I'm not talking mm-hmm. about a belt buckle or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you have some kind of steel toes on or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. How is it that some people seem to be more attracted by it? I've seen a video of this guy. True or not? Mm, I don't know. But he got whacked by a freaking and a lightning bolt. Whap. Mm-hmm. After a while, he gets up, starts walking. <laughs> sort of a bitch. He <laughs> yeah. makes it like freaking about 50 feet and whapped him again. Uh-huh. And down he goes. I'm like. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the videos I've seen or some of these stories I've heard, which are very, very rare, mm-hmm. still makes me think, okay, so am I, I'm going to get it once, you would think. Yeah. But how do you survive that? Well, I mean... You think once is enough. How do you, how do you get lucky that it doesn't kill you? Well, yeah, well agreed. I mean, path of, of least resistance, yeah. and, and it ha- depends on how, you know, the, the, <laughs> how that electricity went through your body and what, what parts it went through in order to get to the ground. Right. Because um, lightning kind of goes up from both. It's just it, weird. Lightning is a particular thing. It's not just is, like, you know, touching a power cord. It's, yeah. The, yeah, there's some other environmental stuff that, that goes on. It's a very fascinating, uh, you know, thing. I, I've been hit, almost hit three times, and each time that I had that experience, I was 
near something that was tall and grounded. Hmm. And I, I didn't have a whole lot of fear in where I was located because I knew that if, if that location was hit by lightning, that it wouldn't hit me because I wasn't the grounded one. Hmm. Now, maybe I'm, someone can comment on this one. Maybe I'm just an idiot and I'm wrong. <laughs> but the, my first experience, I mean, besides the one when I was at, at state, that wasn't like right next to me. You know, it was just through the sky, right? Yeah, but I was but, carrying a javelin, it wasn't, and it no, was no, stuck in the ground. It was not <laughs> just lit up in the sky. It mm-hmm. something came down, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was pretty cool. It was it was yeah. pretty cool. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I I won't forget it. I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, the uh, the other time was neat. when I was in high school. I there was it was during track practice, and there was a, a, quite a storm going on, and the coaches called us in we went into the locker rooms and you could hear it and it started to hail and so we came out of the locker room just kind of outside a little bit not terribly far just to kind of watch the storm and probably less than 10 feet away from me was this big old uh, light pole where they have the football lights mounted yeah and and uh, lightning struck that pole while we were standing out there and it was very weird and eerie because it wasn't like a, a loud crash. It was just a sizzle of, of yeah. electricity coming down the pole. And normally you hear, you know, uh, thunder and lightning. You know, you see, you see lightning and you hear thunder. If it's near you, it's very, very close in, in timing. Mm-hmm. But it was just very eerie because you didn't hear the, the crack. It was just a sizzle of lightning. And we all ran back inside. Wow. And stupid us thinking lightning, because we were told at the time, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot bull because it does uh and in some cases things are designed to take a hit of lightning on purpose in the same location yep yep. so we go back out there and again uh that thing gets hit by lightning twice wow so and and that was relatively close to us the the last time was i want to say probably three years ago maybe four years ago and i was out of track practice i was coaching and we have this this place under the grandstands it's like an indoor uh, runway and net so we can throw javelin balls into the net and continue to practice when, when the weather is bad. And that stadium, the grandstands are pretty tall. And, but, you know, they're grounded. They, you know, they have to comply with certain regulations about, you know, grounding that kind of stuff. And so I didn't feel like we were in a, a dangerous Danger, yeah. spot if, if, in fact, it did get hit. And it certainly it did get hit. And that time it was loud. It wasn't just the sizzle. It was like you hear a big old crack, and um, that lightning came right down the backside of that of the uh, grandstands. And that one was much closer to me. That I, I would think I was probably maybe three feet away from really? it. Wow. Yeah. And um, and but I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel the hair on the arms. I didn't. Feel, I it, I didn't remember any of those type of things. But I certainly didn't get hit. Right. So. Because wow. yeah. I, I will say when I was out there, because I, I think that's probably the closest I've been was, you know, and took my daughter out there too. That's smart. And, uh, <laughs> let's get real close. Look at it. Yeah. And, um, but, but for sure, I mean, you just, the first thing we even saw, I mean, cause we didn't, we didn't get to hear anything. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, a tent doesn't really have much of insulation, but no. anything you could hear, but we were also like, um, you know, watching movies and stuff, but all we heard, all we saw was 
huge i mean the whole it's almost like in the in the in the cartoons when you see them get electrocuted and you could see like their skeletons <laughs> but it was such a blue thing and it just lit up so close and and um i'll i'll tell you in a second and but it was like it just flashed and then boom and we're like get mm-hmm. the fuck out <laughs> the next day morning we came out and we saw these these grooves in the ground oh, in the ground cool. all around us and and I think it, I mean and I'm talking I'm talking like burn marks feet I mean couple feet from us now like probably four feet where it appeared where it was bad but it started spider webbing mm-hmm. out towards the tent and so it was like a foot from our tent the wow. the spider web part That's but it, I don't think that was the initial mm-hmm. but there were it was probably about that deep of little interesting. So it disturbed the the dirt around. Yeah, you. I mean, it wow. was it was that is really cool. I'm, I'm fascinated by lightning and that sort of I phenomenon. I always love, even like today out, outside is very dreary and it's mm-hmm. not quite as rainy and icky yesterday was, mm-hmm. but I don't mind getting all bundled up and putting a, a, a blanket on and go sitting out underneath my uh, awning and have something warm to sip on and watch it all mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, feel relatively safe. Yeah, but um, it was so windy yesterday. Yeah. I just I, I was afraid something was going to blow on by. I mean, not like patio furniture and barbecue cover. I mean, things it, are starting to sail a little bit. What's cool about that is, is if you kind of have your wife like check out the back side, you check out the front side, and as neighbor shit blows by, <laughs> get you some new stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> Better than Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh, that's funny. yeah anywho yeah you got another one I, well, i've got another i've got an electrocution yeah, let's talk about that yeah okay so this is an interesting one because i i was surprised that a farmer out in their field would get electrocuted it's generally speaking a wide open space and so when i read the article i was really quite surprised well, i've got questions too what tell me about it so this is in australia and Evidently, crazy Aussies. They have um, these huge power lines that are out in these fields, and because it's open They're space, just buried power lines. No, no, no. These are up in the air. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so this story. Um, I'll, I'll read the headline here: Electric shock survivor Bradley Richardson warns farmers to pay attention during harvest. Uh, Ooh, I'm interested. It's up in the air. Yeah, so I'll just do the bulleted key points here. Bradley Richardson is uh, warning farmers about dangers of power lines after surviving a 19,000-volt electric shock. Yeah, yeah. accidents involving power lines and farm machinery are on the rise in in, uh, (laughs) South Australia with 13 incidents this year during during seeding. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I take it that seeding time is also during the stormy time. I, I don't... But but you, you have these dadgum tractors out there, huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be uh, targets. Well, yeah. Well, oh, but hold on. But no, no I, I, I'm sorry. I just, in my head, just thinking, thinking lightning, lightning again. Yeah, no, these okay, are so power lines. They're running into power how lines. How low does Australia have their power lines? <laughs> no, I don't think they're very low at all. And that's what kind so of fascinating. what is going on? Yeah, they say, okay, so um, Southern Australia Power Network is ramping up a safety campaign to reduce the number of accidents well, because good. it's getting it, because it's getting a little... Uh, Someone needs to do some problem yeah. solving on that. Yeah, so, uh, so Bradley, he was doing a quick job lubricating a scissor lift on a farm 
in, okay. in okay. southern Australia's mid-north during 2018. That's making some sense. When his life changed forever. The scissor <laughs> lift was raised into the high-voltage power line connecting the line and earth through the farm laborer. Oh, brother. Stupid is as stupid does. He didn't look up. Yeah, that's what surprises me. He's like... This seems like a pretty obvious safety thing you would yes. just know. I mean, it sucks. I get it. I bonk my head on a freaking... <laughs> I know where the trailer hitch is. Jack my shin up. I get oh, that. I hate that. But mm-hmm. come on now. That's, yeah. that's all you, buddy. Yeah. The, the scary thing is that he... It, I mean, 19,000 volts is a significant uh, jolt. You know, maybe he's a fantastic guy and God's like, you know what? Eh. <laughs> You needed a learning lesson, you buddy. You're lesson. such a good guy. You, you you don't need to die from this. You you could go yeah. go to high schools and and talk about and talk about lists. <laughs> farm safety. But, but yeah, well, he lost both of his his legs. But this uh, is happening a lot. This. Uh, this is this is all, this is getting worse and well, worse in Australia. Yeah, he was in a coma for seven days. Uh, both wow. lost both of his legs, suffered organ damage, and underwent more oh. than twenty operations. And He's so lucky to even be alive. My gosh. Yeah. Well, okay. yes, very lucky to be alive. And what kills me is that this is, of course, a becoming a more common, common thing. Well, I have this little follow up article because I was fascinated by it. And they were talking about these farm equipment using GPS as a method of of seeding and farming their fields. Okay. So modern technology is allowing these tractors to do more automated stuff. Now, okay. I'm guessing that people still need to be in the tractor and, and participating in this process. It's, you know, similar like riding around in a self-driving Tesla, I guess. You still need to be there to do some some things. Well, these GPS units are starting to uh, misbehave around some of these power lines maybe there's some sort of electrical interference interference. that makes some sense and these tractors are running over these smaller yeah these these uh these power line um all right all right i could see that and (laughs) here's a picture like that one huh yeah just like that one but that's a that's a that's a weak ass power line that's not even that far up in the air look how tall that isn't now i don't know because you know, things are a little bit different in other countries than the United States. But this seems like if you, if you're a farmer, you kind of know your property. I would imagine you know your property. You know where certain things are. And if you're trusting GPS to, to take you through safely and you're in the vehicle with it, you should still have an awareness of... I, I agree. I agree with you. But here's the difference also is... When I say, I'm going to have to use America as a comparison, but America, when we have these things going across fields, we have these ginormous, we're talking minimum of 100 feet in the air, and there's these huge metal scaffolding looking type towers. Like that a hold Eiffel Tower. Up. If your tractor hits it, your tractor's going to get stopped. It'll ding up probably the bottom of it and all this stuff, but it's probably going to get all jacked up and stall out. Mm-hmm. This one here is so small, and I mean, we have regular telephone poles that are stronger and bigger yeah. than this one. And this thing, ro- this thing, can just roll over it and flatten yeah. it out. Yeah, you can see there's a little bit of concrete in there. But, so, uh... so I'm, I'm just, I'm just not impressed with. I mean, yeah, look at that. That's a little IT bar or an I beam. I beam, yeah, very small, skinny one, which will fold over on a little bit of a rant, run over. But I agree, <laughs> they should be able to not drive over that. Yeah. 
I just thought it was a kind of a weird thing. Um, the key points, there have been 13 collisions compared with three at the same time last year. Wow. Uh, Southern Australia Power Network believes farmers could be forgetting to program their GPS technology. Nope. I, I already know <laughs> what the problem is. I'll let you finish, but I know what the issue is. Mm, what's what, What's the issue? Drinking and farming. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem there. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, come on. No, you they have be all right. these cool devices, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Who cares about our eyes and stuff? I mean, that's pretty neat, too. But forget that. We have all this technology and stuff. They still run over stuff. <laughs> Drinking and farming. That's <laughs> uh, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what else you got? Well, I did have, without a whole lot of detail, one to look into it. But there's so many things going on without, with people that are sur- surviving out in the woods and miraculously uh, making it out. And I think there was a young kid that, uh, that ended up being out in the woods for like a week or so all by herself and, and made it out. Um, there was, there was also, um, I think, I, gosh, I want to say it was another female, mm-hmm. a lady. I got to, I wanted to look it up, but anyways, regardless, there's somebody else that was, went out, and was was uh, lost in the wilderness or whatever, and for forty two days. And you know, we talked about negative afraid, and mm-hmm. and we. I also watched, you know, the alone. And there's people that don't make it a week or week or two. We're talking forty. That's a month. Yeah, that's, that's a long time. And you can win a lot of prize money on those those survivor shows. That, <laughs> right, but most of all these survivor shows, guess what they get to give you. You could bring uh, two things, three mm-hmm. things. You, you could bring something. Well, and, and you also have, you know, a beacon and a, a radio and <laughs> people that can <laughs> a medic get that you can when you want. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, maybe that's, that's how you really survive long term is you don't have backup. You don't have that option in the back of your mm-hmm. head. Because yeah. once you start, you know you can go home anytime you want. I mean, you might, might mess with your pride or, you know, mm-hmm. your, your braggability, but you've got that's that's a monster safety net but this these people i'm going to go back to the lady that walked 11 days to get out of you know to get to safety you know that yeah it takes strong will to do that i get that um so there's there's a and and i'm gonna might have to have you uh look look one up okay but it's a it's a movie and there's a couple movies i wanted to talk about but this one here is a real movie There was a gentleman. What do you that, mean a real movie? Like a I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Documentary. It's a real movie, man. <laughs> That's very rare. It's a real story. Oh, okay, gotcha. Made into a movie. And okay, I'm terrible at names. That's why it's not coming to me. But um, anyways, it's about the guy that was hiking. And I think it was in America. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say Arizona, but what do I know? And he falls and he gets his arm caught in between a rock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, he had to make it out of there. And I don't know. So I don't know if you've ever been cut into a a nerve. 127 hours is the name of it. Is that what the movie's called? And, and this guy severed his own arm to catch, get himself free. Yeah. And I think, what did he have? Like a little army Swiss knife. Uh, Did I say that wrong? Swiss Swiss army knife. I think I I have one in my pocket. But to cut through your own, Nerves, yeah. <sighs> I Don't couldn't think imagine about it the. Too much. I couldn't imagine his mind. I mean, I get it, people that are following. Everybody's got their own. Like, I don't know. Do you want to die drowning or die on fire? Everything's terrible, right? Yeah. Everything's got its own terror. 
but I couldn't imagine what that what he was going through. Yeah, yeah, his arm got stuck between a boulder. He was, uh, you know, canyoneering near Moab, Utah. Um, uh, that is, yeah, that, okay, that it, that's pretty freaky. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, one thing that a lot of these people. Well, did, did you have anybody else that that um, uh, any other close encounters of you know death? Well, so I've got a story here similar in she was out hiking in uh Joshua Tree is it uh is that a national park Joshua Tree yeah in California and I know that you two did a, a whole album yeah. named Joshua Tree <laughs> unfortunately that's their best that's one. right where my head went <laughs> they're only good yeah uh, yeah I've got a I got a video here you want to should we play it yeah all right here we go what was meant to be a half-day hike in the rugged Californian desert turned into a four-day fight for survival for Claire Nelson. Falling off the beaten track, her will to live was the only thing that kept her alive. This is not where I expect this to end up. The shattered pelvis. Ah! In the desert. All alone and far from help. I might die here and I'm really scared. With 40 degrees scorching heat, by day two, her reserves were used up. Dehydrated. Yeah. This is the color of what I'm drinking. Night time was terrifying, but she wasn't giving up. A bottle of urine. There's still hope, there's still hope. I just... <laughs> That'll get you a long way. But <laughs> another day and night would pass before anyone would even know she was missing. Day four, she tries to stay strong. Heat is trying to get to me. Little did she know her friends had noticed her lack of social media and called the park rangers. Wow. Claire was finally found. Her terrifying ordeal was over. Alex Isaac, Good Morning Britain. The interesting thing about this particular story is that she left. So she's got some followers on social media. Yeah, sounds like maybe a lot if they can notice that she's not there. Yeah. That's kind of a, a big the, deal. The lack of posting, right? Yeah, and and she she describes that she was she was kind of lonely. Like she was doing a lot of social media stuff, and it, she was feeling super lonely. Like she was, you know, presenting a person she wasn't on social media. So she went to this desert in order to escape something to have a different experience, and then she's she falls in in these this little rock canyon area mm. breaks her pelvis and is her what her, her pelvis again wow. i know it's a common theme and and she's stuck there for several days and social media posts of course stop while she's gone and she had a friend who knew that she was going on this on this hike and they came out to to rescue her but you know, she left. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, she does say that she now tells at least two people where she's going when she decides to go, mm. you know, places. You know, you know, every year that I go to, I, I try and escape for my birthday. That, yep. that week, I try and go and do something kind of on my own and uh, time reflection and get away from busyness. But I always tell folks where I'm going, at least yep. in general, what what I'm doing because there is the chance that something could happen and you are just not available to make a call or whatever. And she, her cell phone didn't have any service in that area, but she had a digital camera and she was just kind of logging her experience 
there was nothing that she could do to reach out. And it was just fortunate that someone else realized she was wow. not around. So that brings me to a story of somebody I know. I won't really use names, but this gentleman, he went out hunting. It's hunting season. And he was walking, and, and he's walking through some brush, and it was this, this kind of a, a lot of fallen logs and stuff, but it was there was some debris over it, so he kind of didn't know what was underneath it. And uh, he was also going downhill a little bit, but anyways, he got his foot stuck, and he fell, jacked his back up, and mm-hmm. he lay there about 45 minutes because he couldn't get up. Oh, no. So and then he get up and hiked back and got up to his Jeep. His bag was so jacked up, he had to stay the night. Oh, no. You know, luckily. And, um, but he had, what did he do? I can't recall, but he had to get himself, try to get himself in a position to even make a phone call out there. You know, and his wife was like, I'm coming to get you. He goes, and he can't because it's like 40 miles off road and he has the key to the gate, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, but, it's scary, you know, even if you go, even if you're in your car, Scott, and you're doing your, your, your trip on your own, you know, and, and, you know, you let me know often when you go do things and just, gosh, you know, you're so far away. I couldn't get you to help yeah. you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, it's smart to do that, but mm-hmm. little things like that, that you've done a hundred times, a hundred times, just like her, uh, might get you one time. You mm-hmm. don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You know, and you don't know when it's going to happen. You know, I was walking, uh-huh. um, in a in a hotel swimming pool a year or so ago and and not running just walking nice and easy and going into the hot tub and i slipped mm-hmm. and i landed on the edge of the hot tub concrete on my ribs and i was jacked up hard for two yeah. months and uh-huh. and when you start going you just go you got to go with it mm-hmm. you, there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. i wanted us to look it up mm-hmm. I, we can if you wanted to but it was moving to me because there's this guy, and he still puts on um, videos too, I think, but the video is of him, he, he turns on his camera and he's in tears and, and he's sitting there and he's like, I did something you shouldn't do. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm messing this up. I can't, I'm not going to use word for word. You should never do this. And he's like just, he almost died. And he, was, he dived alone. Mm-hmm. He was diving alone, and I wish I could remember the story, but I can't remember if he got caught up, but he got struggled where he didn't, he really thought he wasn't going to make it. Finally made it, and to see it in his, it looked like he was upset with himself, mm-hmm. happy to be there, wanted to share it with the world because he fucked up, you yeah. know, and, and it was just passionate to be able to, to get those moments. It's not so, I mean, his it was may, um, just as life, defying is that the word or death defying as the person i guess that you know fell a thousand you know uh, 125 miles an hour into yeah. the ground but <laughs> yeah. it's just a different situation and he happened to have anything other than his mental affected mm-hmm. and you know but he was moments from death and uh you know and because he screwed he, up yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and number one trip was diving alone um, let alone whatever else happened. Um, but he turned on the camera. It, it appeared, I mean, still wet, you know, appeared the moment he made it out and to feel the rawness of what he did and he was willing to share, you know, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And to know what people really go through, 
I keep going back to the lady that fell that, that hiked 11 days out is after you collect your wits before you figure out what your plan is. <laughs> you know, we all hope that we don't have to make decisions like that. Yeah. Yeah. How bad do you want, you know, do you how want bad do you want it? You know, there's, we go as far as to the, the, there was a movie and I believe it was based on the true story of a airplane, another airplane. Mm hmm crash and then they had to sit there and decide how they're going to live and i don't know jimmy's looking weak over there i don't know <laughs> that movie was called alive wasn't it or lack they thereof did, for did, uh, some re- <laughs> not all alive is what it should be good eats uh, little, <laughs> but little cannibalism but the things they had know. to do to survive is uh mm-hmm. i don't know yeah you hope you're not in those situations <laughs> to to have to think those think think those things what else do you have? Uh, so th- this is a story about a lady who basically got hit. She was riding her bike. And this seems to be a, a much more common thing. We live in a, an area of the country where biking is, is a big deal. Yeah. A lot of people are out on their bicycles and riding around. And there's a lot of different traffic laws that are are made to protect bicyclists yeah. and that sort of thing. And, and, and sometimes it actually makes it more dangerous. That's but. true. And and being the fact, I got I to get a little rant in the middle of this. Yeah. And what makes it even more difficult or more unsafe for the bicyclists that are trying to be safe are everybody else that are either on the sidewalks, off the sidewalks, on the road, not on the road. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're not all just going one direction on the one thing, doing the one. It's, it would be easier to to prepare or expect things mm-hmm. but nope everybody's doing their own thing well and that's where this this particular video Ooh. comes in because um you know you've got all these laws that protect your bicyclists but uh people are distracted these days <laughs> yeah you know what scott before mm-hmm. you say anything that's mm-hmm. perfect you say people are distracted these days because people <laughs> i just look down and i notice scott's shoes oh yeah those are some pretty keen, snivvy shoes. You like guys. those? I will say he's got some pretty neat shoes. Some cool <laughs> stitching going on. Yeah, yeah. Those are cool shoes. People. Those are super comfortable shoes, too. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's neat. See? Distracted. Yeah. Look at you. Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the... All right. Here we go. It was January 3rd of 2014. I'll never forget that morning. It was a beautiful, sunny day. I decided to go out on a bike ride. I needed to do some errands around town. There was a little voice inside of me that just said to not go out riding that day. I don't know where that came from, but I ignored it. (laughs) I got about a mile, well, not quite a mile from my home, and I could see some traffic coming in on the right. At the very last minute, I realized that first car wasn't going to stop. I knew in a flash that I was going to die right there. It was a woman driving a a big SUV, and she hit me broadside. I put my hand out like this to try to veer off my bike the other direction. I ended up flipping onto the top of her hood and looked in. I think she was so focused on her phone that she didn't know that she had hit anything or anyone. So I ended up pinned between her vehicle and the road as she drove. As my shoulder hit the pavement and my body hit the pavement, I had an interesting thing happen. I had what what I call a sense of dual consciousness. Hmm. Me underneath the vehicle, you know, being dragged under this vehicle. 
But at the same time, I saw the whole accident unfold from a position of 50 to 75 feet outside of everything. I see myself laying under the vehicle in pain, in screaming. I saw a woman struggling to hang on to life. So she's having this out-of-body experience. Yeah, I completely believe that. Yeah. <laughs> what, does that sound different uh, than, I, than, than, than before we, we started the show? No, no. I, no. I, under, I understand your skepticism. <laughs> it's, it's rough for me because I, 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 despite on how I act, I, I, I'm very religious and I would like to, and I do believe in souls and all that th- those things, but how I believe in my religion, I, I just don't know if that's, I don't know if people could go and see heaven when they die, if they could see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and, and here's the thing it is life is mysterious. So this is just my opinion or my take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and how about this? I'd rather ha- hear their experiences than me have to come back and tell you. <laughs> I don't want to have that, uh, option or, 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 uh, I don't even want to go down that path yeah. to, to have something to say, but, but you're right. You know, what she's saying is so many people say, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, I know that when we dream, I don't, I, I do some freaking amazing things when I dream mm-hmm. and some amazing life, you know, you, I don't know if you ever woken up and, and I've woken up before, and in fact, so I think so as my wife had woken up pissed off at me before because she dreamt that I <laughs> was yes. with some other girl. Yes. And then yes, she's pissed. Yes. Uh-huh. It's just, just like, um, it wasn't me. Well, <laughs> she could see it, but I've woken up from dreams. And it felt so real. It took a while for, in fact, a couple of days sometimes for it to mm-hmm. leave you because if yeah. you, you, you wake up feeling something real. But yeah. and I get that, and 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 so I think, and our minds are amazing. I know you and I have had a lot of talks, especially about religion and stuff, and 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 supernatural things. Our our minds are so amazing. I don't know if we could even understand their capabilities. Mm-hmm. And I think they can paint a picture, and in your head, if she is, I'm making something up here. Uh-huh. And how about this possibility? She had an outer body experience. I know that's such a thing that people talk about, true or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of on the side of I don't think so, but, um, but that she could have had that. But the other thing is, is maybe in that, in shock during those situations, um, she is, you know, in the situation and she could imagine herself what it is like, you know, what she is seeing too. Because mm-hmm. I've been in some close calls and it's so odd how your time could go by so slow and your mind can think warp speed fast, and it's amazing that it can. I don't, it's, it's yeah. just, a, it, I imagine she was in such a place where she had seconds to think years. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, time kind of slows down when your brain is act, acting so fast. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, anyways, and I'm not trying to take away from it. It's just hard for me to grasp that. Yeah. Regardless of what I feel or think. Yeah, she's, she described something that, that, uh, other people have described when they've come back from the brink of, of death. In some cases, you know, they're on a medical table and they, um, you know, there are medical professionals around monitoring vitals and they'll say, yeah, this person, um, th- their heart stopped for, for a certain period of time. And then when they come back, they can tell the doctors this experience that right. they had. 
And there's some really creepy stories of, of conversations that were done outside of the room that the patient seems to have re- been able to recount in, in some, in some way. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think the brain is an amazing uh, thing and it can do some stuff that we still don't understand. Right. We're getting closer to understanding some of these things, but one of the things that has to happen is there has to be real scientific studies during some of these things. Well, okay, so this, just like any other topic that, that, that we choose, I go through and I find stuff, and then I go down these little rabbit trails. Right. And so I went down a rabbit trail on, on this idea of an out-of-body experience. Well, I'll tell you what, let, let's, let's head this way toward the end of the, sh- end of the show, because sure. I have a movie... That I'll talk about. So, okay. so yeah, let, let's head that direction. So the, uh, I don't want to say the go-to guy, but you know, who's the go-to guy <laughs> on this? I, I'm fascinated by uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and his ability to Bullshit. simplify things. I mean, yeah. Oh. Well, in some cases, <laughs> yeah, he explains things in a simple way, and um, and I think he does pretty well in including some scientific uh, facts in there. But the methodology is important to me. Yeah. So I've got a little, a little let's, let's video here. Let's hear what Neil has to say about, and... <laughs> about that. Okay. I'm curious. One of the things we know from research in psychology, as well as just practical matters in the conducting of scientific experiments, is that one of the lowest forms of evidence you could possibly invoke is eyewitness testimony which is odd because it's one of the highest forms of evidence in the court of law, which disturbs me greatly. Mm-hmm. So if you, co- if you come from a lab to That's a science funny. conference and say, this is true, we say, how do you know this? Because I saw it. Well, that's really the end of your talk. And you just leave. <laughs> and then we say, come back when you have a chart recorder or you have to just give me something that does not have to flow through your senses. Yeah, log data. Because your senses yeah. is some of the worst data-taking devices that exist. I can appreciate that. science Mm -hmm. did not achieve maturity. Modern science did not achieve maturity until we had instruments that either extended our senses or replaced them. So now we have people who are in the act of dying, and they come back from life, and they report on mental experiences. And that's intriguing. (coughs) It's intriguing. Um... But because it is in the realm of eyewitness testimony, you can establish it perhaps as a personal truth. But it will take more than that to establish it as an objective truth. Mm. And an objective truth is the kind of truths that science discovers. And it's the kind of truth that is true whether or not you believe in it. Yeah. So I I think about these people who have these these out-of-body experiences and it does. It falls into that subjective category. You I feel witness. it, but it doesn't mean it exists. Yeah, is I that mean, what you're saying? I yeah. You can you can believe that someone is is telling the truth about something that has happened to them, right? But when he's talking about scientific studies and really trying to find an objective truth, then the subjective truth, you know, you're not. It's it's not necessarily true to others outside, um, because. It it's true ha- that it happened to that one person. Like I could prove that I, I could prove that I could dream, but I can't prove what I dreamt about. 
you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but uh, you could also say... Yeah, we know that everybody You dreams, could also say, but... yeah, I totally believe that you had this experience mm-hmm. because for all intents and purposes, you did have that experience. Your brain You're right. had that experience. Mm-hmm. And so for that, that is a, that is a, a self-truth or a, a subjective truth, but it's not an objective truth, which is where the science comes in. And I go, I want to know... Why is it that people have these experiences? Mm-hmm. And so science is, is, is more well-positioned to study these things more objectively so that we can get more of what would be considered an, an objective truth. So it, other people... have to people... get volunteers out there. Okay, listen, we're going <laughs> to... Yeah. Unfortunately, we're going to have to kill you. <laughs> but we're gonna, it's okay. We're going to monitor you. We're going to do our best to bring you back because we really want to know what you have to say. Do you trust us? Can we... Oh, we have a 40% chance to bring you back. Mm-hmm. But we'll pay you, you know, it's $2,000 for the study, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to bring it back. I don't know. So there's a, there's a, gonna... so there are now um, uh, scientific studies that are taking place in hospitals to, uh, to, to test some of these things. And, and they during can... those, yeah, because here's the problem is, is that, that these aren't things that you could plan for, for so many of these situations. Right. So if they, get prepared for in certain places in the hospitals that I don't know the ER that mm-hmm. that they could actually monitor or ask or or um um get gain info for from yeah they can do to either, to, to actually prep for it yeah the, exactly they can they they can do brain scans they can uh, hook people up with all these different sensors to to get a, a better picture of what's actually happening to the patient during these these uh these these moments in time mm. And and there's some pretty interesting stuff that's coming out of it. I think there was a study of, I think it was over 400 patients where they kind of went through this process. And the patients that came back told these different stories of, of their experience. And then they had these instruments that had recorded the process, like the different vital signs, right. the different brain activity, where things were lighting up in the brain. And... Uh, and so, it, you know, to me, that's a very fascinating thing because now we have the tools to do that and the opportunity. It's like, it's like we got somebody in critical condition. We're going to do their life-saving surgery under the uh, MRI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a CAT scan while we're doing this yeah. just to see the changes, what happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually suggest that we do a show on this mm-hmm. uh, specifically because I feel like we're, talk- we're going to be talking about the tip of the iceberg about it. And and we can easily find, and it'd be interesting to talk about true or not, um, to talk about those those videos with his spirits that we mm-hmm. see them leave their bodies, and maybe we should have a little interesting think, conversation about. I that. think that would be fascinating because there is a lot more out there that this is just the tip of the iceberg. It is. Um, All right, so, I want to I want to end it with this this little video. Does that sound good? Well, yeah, I, I yeah. Let's, 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 let's this this is uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of in his kind of a humorous way talking about some of these uh, near-death experiences and some of the things that is he mocking si- them? scientists should be um, doing in order to discover um, this objective, you know, truth. Out of it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. What does it mean to be dead? Okay, it used to be, did you fog a mirror that was held up in front of you while you were laying there on your bed? All right, and if you didn't fog the mirror, you were judged to be dead. They would put you in a coffin, and in some parts, it is told, there's a string that they put into the coffin as they buried you, and they put it over a tree branch and connect it to a bell. That's true. 
If you woke up, <laughs> how terrifying! They used you to would pull the string, and you—that's where you get the term "dead ringer." Okay? No. You would pull the string, and you come rescue me because you buried a living person. Okay? So <laughs> now I'm gonna have to do some digging because I think he's got the the wrong quote. The term. But we know why a heart beats. It's electrochemical. So you do chunk. The heart beats again. We got that one. Okay? Well, is it when you're <laughs> brain funny. dead? Well, you can be brain dead, but your heart is still beating. Uh-huh. And you, we can keep you alive. Uh-huh. Are you dead yet? Well, uh-huh. no, because your heart's still beating. Is your brain functioning? Mm. No. Okay, I can tell you this. That if you're dead long enough so that your brain is deprived oxygen, and then you, we bring you back, you're not talking about seeing any lights. Because you're brain dead. Okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> Plus, you know, this often happens some people have to, hear it to that someone way. Yeah. who is deathly ill to begin with. Mm-hmm. And where are they? They're in a hospital. And if they go into cardiac arrest or something critical, they take you from your hospital bed to an operating table. And what is sitting above an operating table? Real bright lights. Lights. <laughs> bright lights. Okay? And so if you say, oh, I was dead and I came back and I saw lights, we... Maybe it's not all the cases, but it's many of the cases, okay? Now, there were skeptics who tried to do an experiment. There are people who say they left their body, mm. and they saw we got some of those. Okay. So there was an experiment. So there's some descriptions that are part of this near-death experience uh, um, uh, literature where they come above and they see themselves down there on the bed. All right. Okay? So what they decided <laughs> to do is for people who are about to die... They would write a message facing upwards to the ceiling above the bed and suspend it there. So if a person goes above their bed and looks down, they'd be able to read the message. So when they rejoin their body, they they should then tell us what message they saw. That's never happened. It's just... Right. That makes sense to my (laughs) understanding. It makes sense to my understanding because I feel that somebody... I'm in an awareness. Okay, here's an example. Mm-hmm. It was very real to me. I had, this is a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? I'll, this is easier. I'll go a couple more months back. I was laying in bed asleep and I had a dream that I was laying in the exact same bed on my stomach and there was a spider on the middle of my back. And I woke up with the feeling of this big on the middle of my back. But I feel that... Number one, I don't like spiders. It's scary to me. So, and I was already in bed asleep, and I was put myself in the position of being in bed asleep, and I saw myself being effed with with a spider. <laughs> These people are in bed going through something traumatic in their in their head and shock, and I feel that they could. This is like a dream state, and I believe that they could, in fact dream i've dreamt myself seeing my i've dreamt myself seeing myself in bed Mm -hmm. and so i think that that's i do believe that there i understand what he's saying that this is not objective but they do see i think they do see themselves yeah but are they seeing themselves i don't believe so am i making sense yeah that's a very good way of putting it no yeah yeah you say are they as the objective um, perspective um, because I don't think they really are. Mm-hmm. I just think they're dreaming it. I've dreamt that I looked way better than I do now. <laughs> I'm sure my wife has dreamt that too. You had that six pack and the. <laughs> I'm just working on the two pack. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think with all of these different 
near-death experiences that we've talked about today, a lot of folks, um, because of the, the trauma of, of whatever it is, do not remember anything. Yeah. And then others are able to remember stuff. Right. There was a doctor who was talking about these experiences, and he says that he thinks, based on his research, he thinks that everyone experiences the, the bright light, and everyone experiences uh, some, um, like, uh, how would I say this? Um, that everyone still takes in sensory information when they're going through this this deathly experience. He says... The difference is, is that in some cases, people just forget. Sure. He's, he describes it like you were doing earlier, which is talking about like a dream. You don't always remember your nope. dreams, but you remember certain ones. Sure. And in different and, levels of realness or... Yeah, or... detail and, and yeah. And, and so he thinks that your brain is still capable of taking in sensory information at these moments of death, but you may just not remember it. So can I even touch base on there's thing I don't know for you, maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty sure it's the other people. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever closed your eyes when you sneezed or coughed or, and you could see bright lights and stuff in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and so also if you're sitting there laying there and somebody violently is put, sorry, pushing on you, it triggers things. Yeah. Um, which might seem electrical, but yeah. flashes Sensory ins- stuff, inside yeah. your head, mm-hmm. inside your what you would think is your that you're seeing it, because yeah. you're. But you could be getting that from them working on you and mm-hmm. moving you and pushing you, and if you're sitting there and you're just getting binged around, I mean, that, yeah, that happens. Well, he he's talked about sometimes you know the the drugs that they give you when you're in you know the emergency room or whatever doctor's table. That uh, that sometimes that stuff eliminates certain activity, certain sensory activity, and oh, so in some cases that can disrupt your ability to remember stuff. Yeah, but it might give you some like that morphine stuff. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. might make you feel like you're flying above yourself, man. Uh-huh. Huh? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. They pump your shit full of blood yeah. of drugs. <laughs> yeah, That's an, you know, yeah. uh, joking, but <laughs> haven't really thought about it. But mm-hmm. most of the time, these people are feeling this or seeing this or to talk about it is they're on the table mm-hmm. and they're usually full of drugs at that time too. Yeah. I don't know if I hear a whole lot of stories, you know, when they're on the street and somebody gets ran over, I don't hear a whole lot of that. I had a flash yeah. and came back and I, uh, you know, and then they did make it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, I was at the eye doctor, uh, not, yeah, I guess it was kind of recent and he, he does this, you know, all these different eye tests. And, and one of the things he looks for is, um, uh, something to do with my retina to see if there's damage to the connective tissue. Mm. And he says that like, cause my father-in-law has had some detached retinas um, surgery in, in his past. I think oh, I want to say on both eyes, oh, man. which is really kind of a freaky idea. It's not like your eyeball falls out. It's a sense. It's a, um, uh, a nerve, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so the eye doctor, he's telling me, he's like, you know, as he's going through this, I ask questions because I'm curious about stuff. And he says, well, let me know if you experience flashes of light at any time. He says, you know, things look pretty healthy, but there is some areas where it looks like there could be a little bit of stress, you know. And uh, he says, if you start seeing weird things happen with your vision, in particular flashes of light, um, to let me know. Because those things happen 
not because I'm seeing flashes of light that's actual light flashing. It's because the nerve is freaking out mm-hmm. and producing an incorrect um, sen- sensation. Sensory? I don't know. Sensory. I don't know what to call it because yeah. it's there, but it's but not. But that's what Neil deGrasse Tyson is talking about. It's like, you know, a lot of science has extended our sensor um, or our senses uh, or in some cases just completely replaced them. Like, Take the human element out yes, of it. Use yeah. these other sensors that can really gather data that's very objective and not subjective to our brain and our our, our you know sensors. So yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's interesting topic. Well, I will tell you, <laughs> Scott. We could even have this as a segue to our next show. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit much for us to already say what our next show is going to be, but yeah. it would be good to have another little uh, chit chat about it. It's, yeah. it's interesting to talk about. Um, all the aspects of how 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 it works, you know, because we don't know, we don't know what we're seeing, or it's weird to me to. I mean, I haven't really sat here and talked about those weird flashes that I have when yeah. I, I, mean, I remember playing football and you get hit hard, you know. <laughs> I remember one time oh, I yeah. was messing around with my mom and I was giving each other dead legs and and. She came up with a little uppercut, and I came down to give her a dead leg. She clocked me right in the, in the jaw, and I felt like a tunnel vision and a mm-hmm. bright light, uh-huh. you know, because she clocked me good, you know. <laughs> but I'm just saying that we do feel a lot of things that are natural. That, that That's supposed to happen, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in, in that kind of... Uh, yeah, you're yeah. responding to something right. that happens, some stimuli. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. okay, well, we'll put this on the topic list. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. we had Neil on there yeah. to kind of throw that yeah. aspect out. Yeah. Give us some thought. All right, uh, thanks for watching and listening. Uh, tell a friend. We'd like to br- uh, grow the audience a bit more. You can find more information on our website at nevertoseries.com and on social media at the NTS Podcast on Getter, Twitter, and Parlor. Until we see you next time, take care and be safe.